Madden Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. The year is 3013. The galaxy is scintillating in the mellow light. Two galactic pilgrims seek out vistas in the samurai future to bring forth the unity of the cosmic shaman. Opening the door of the pantheon of mystics, the evil sorcerer wizard powers the engine of science, seeking to forever alter the sacred balance, traveling on effervescent balls of summer fire. In the year 1974, John Carpenter's movies didn't make any money. Money? Fuck's sake. What's money? Didn't make any money. Mm. But the rest of his career, uh, well. He had a film somewhere that made a little bit of money, I think. I think Escape from New York did okay, right? Now, Halloween was the blockbuster. Oh, yeah, Halloween is like, yeah. I, like, Halloween is so successful, I always forget it's him. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't fit the mold of the rest of his films. But today's Dark Star, his first film, it was a student film expanded to feature film length. Yeah, so my knowledge of this film is from you mentioning it to me many times. Right, and now we're talking about Now you've seen it. Yeah. You've experienced the Dark Star. Have. That's right. This is Matt. This is Luke. This is the Sci-Fi Sanctuary. Whoop, whoop. With bloopity bloop noises. There's meant to be like just some whoops of joy, but... Oh, I thought okay, they... Okay, yeah, they can, be, they can be spaceship computer boop boops. Because this has plenty of that, right? So yeah. that's, that's why I was thinking about, right? Um, so, yeah, I, this was like the caught film in the 90s, for sure, because you'd go to the video store, mm. and you'd go to the caught section, and this would like be the only VHS there. So is this the film that was cult, but not actually popular enough that people were renting it? Something like that. <laughs> but it was Carpenter, so everyone had it. Yeah. Because you, you have to have your Carpenter, right? Right. So, um... Yeah, and I, I do remember not liking it that much as a teenager. Like it was slow and weird and didn't make sense. Mm. I kind of like it now. There are elements of it I like. Mm, okay. We'll get into it. <laughs> we'll get into it. That's that's fine. Um, the humor is, I think the humor is a little ahead of its time. Maybe. Maybe we'll get into yeah. that too. Okay. I mean, if we get into that now, that's the whole podcast, dude. <laughs> that is the whole podcast. Okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah, just I, I went years without watching it. Um, it's mm. another one where I came back to and I was like, oh, I kind of get this now. It, it is. I mean, it is a weird film with lots of issues, of course. But mm. you know, you it's your debut that you made with no money. So yeah. You, well, yeah, it's. I mean. I can't judge this film too badly because, like, yeah, it is literally a student film. <laughs> it was then expanded and pumped it. Like, I don't think it was, like, successful. No. But a lot, like, people in the industry liked it. Right. This is just from, like, Wikipedia. So this isn't, like, deep knowledge that I've got. Okay. <laughs> because I, the other 70s sci-fi comedy thing was a show I have not seen called Quark. I, I think I've heard of it, but yeah, I never seen the, it. The point is you've heard of it, right? And yeah. neither of us have seen it because, um... But I... I, I is there any, like, real sci-fi comedy that, like, predates this? Hitchhikers? No, that doesn't predate this. The book, book does, at least, then, right? The book's after this, yeah. Really? Yeah, the book's yeah. a few years after. This This wow. is pre-Douglas Adams. So, it might, yeah. Yeah, because there are bits in this which feel very Douglas Adams or very Red Dwarf, so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, uh, I yeah, I'm sitting here, I mean, we did Santa Claus 
Conquest of Marches, which has I guess like, that technically counts, but yeah. it's weird comic relief. But mm. this is a little more of, I guess, a modern the sense Jetsons. Of humor. Okay, I mean it's cool to comedy. It doesn't actually contain jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then you have to think about what's what's happening at the bottom of all these sky houses. Yep, that's where the mutants live. That's where the poo folds. Right, and <laughs> makes more mutants with your poo. Because it's irradiated. Yeah. So this was your first viewing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how how much of a slog was it for you then? Did you slog? I like the opening and I like the ending and the middle was a slog. And yeah, the middle I think has most of the student film shit. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, Basically everything with the alien beach ball is, uh, was adding like, like you said, is this 74? I think a lot of this. It was like filmed over like 70, 71, 72, and then a bunch more was added in 70. So yeah. This is right, because like, they had padded out to a feature film and were not given to just like start it over, go ahead. So it was, yeah. it's a bit of a, um, you know, uh, a put together beast. Well, even the alien stuff, right, was, was funny for a minute and then it just went on and on and on. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't like it was great, like physical humor slapstick. It was just the same shit. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I'm wondering if the 50-minute student film version of this might have a little more punch. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, if, again, think of it. In those Give it a couple years and maybe we'll do that on Orochi. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, if you think about it, the only actor we see in most of these extra scenes is Dan O'Badden, because Dan O'Badden, because maybe he was the only, like, guy available at that point, right? Yeah. Like, like, do we know what happened to the other actors? Did they just go and get, like, office jobs at this point? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they, they did some strip teases at the the club for the ladies. Okay. So I, I'm just saying that I don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's at least a little bit of a story to this film. Do you want to do the story to this film? Okay. Okay. The starship Dark Star is traveling space, exploding unstable planets to make systems safe for human colonization. Twenty years into its mission, Commanding Officer Powell has died. Lieutenant Doolittle, a former surfer, has taken over. The rest of the crew, Pinpack, Boiler, and Talby, have created distractions for themselves because they're bored and a little bit space crazy. Pinback has adopted an alien. After it attempts to push him down an elevator shaft, eventually kills it with a gun. The Dark Star is hit by electromagnetic energy during a space storm. Thermostellar Bomb number, ten, number 20 receives an erroneous order to deploy, and the crew cannot convince it to stand down. Doolittle spacewalks out to have a philosophical conversation with the bomb. It agrees to disarm itself for the moment. Pinback opens the airlock to admit Doolittle, but accidentally ejects Talby, who is in the airlock attempting to repair the laser. Doolittle leaves the ship to receive, retrieve Talby. The bomb, convinced that only it exists and that its sole purpose in life is to explode, does so. Dark Star is destroyed. Talby drifts into the Phoenix asteroids while Doolittle surfs into the atmosphere to die as a falling star.
This is another Carpenter film, What Ain't Got No Ladies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's got at least got a female actress doing the computer voice. It's got the computer voice. I, I, I did consider that, but it's like, does the computer voice count quite? I mean, yeah, I guess it I mean, I, yeah, this is a proto-latter-season Red Dwarf, <laughs> where it's dudes trapped on a spaceship, and if you add a woman, that would ruin the dynamic. <laughs> but they want to have a woman, so they have a female computer voice. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Again, it, it's got some prescience. Uh, so we have a bunch of actors... Um, I guess we'll start with uh, uh, with Pinback, played by Dan O'Bannon. Okay. Who is the most notable person here. Right. Because um, he later, wrote, well, he got involved with the Yordowski Dune that never happened. Okay. Which turned into the crew that made Alien. He wrote Alien, hmm. uh, directed 1985's Return of the Living Dead, which introduces the zombies eating brains all the time. So. Uh, okay. So he's a notable pop culture film. Yeah. Dude, I, I think he's apparently an asshole too. But what? Just just in like asshole terms, not as in like there's allegations. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I love. He's and, a, a beardy nerd who made space movies. I'm not surprised he turned out to be a bit of an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and the the other guys are just you know the guys that Carpenter got for a student film, I guess. Yeah, like are they guys who responded to the flyer he put up around the university, or are they just his mates or something <laughs> like that? Yeah, yeah, basically something like that. Um, I mean, it could be a flyer otherwise. Um, Doolittle, uh, we, I guess we don't have the other actors' names uh, necessary. I mean, I can get them, but do we care? We, we might not care, but we care about Doolittle. Doolittle makes me think of some of the dudes I used to work with when I did environmental education. Okay. Like, kind of like easy going on the surface, but super tense inside. Hmm. You know? The, uh... I'm a chill hippie, but I'm really not sort of vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... They've decided that's a cool thing to be, even though they're not actually that. Yeah. Brian so. Narell played Doc Lieutenant Doolittle. Okay. The only picture of him, I think, is from this. Yeah, I think... And he looks like Che Guevara. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think all the actor pictures are just from this. Yeah, apart from maybe O'Bannon. No, Although I think, I think O'Bannon is, is, too. Because yeah. this is... He's not an actor. He's a you know, yeah. writer and a director, but uh, this is his... Him on screen, so yeah, all of the actors' photos are just from this movie. Um, Dalby's actor is listed three times in the cast under different versions of his name because he was that <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, his name is Dre Pahik, but then it's also listed as Andreja Pahik and also Andreja. Oh, okay, so, <laughs> it depends on what kind of decide how, how much they're going to let him have his foreign name in the credits, I guess. It depends on what cut of the film you're watching, which, yep. which one you're getting, I guess. Um. So Talby's the guy who just sits in the dome at the top and looks at the stars all day. Yeah. Like, if you got a job tomorrow on an interstellar spaceship, how long do you think it would take before you'd get bored of just looking at space go by? It's infinite, man. Yeah, right? <laughs> Like, you know, I'm 31, and I'm still, like, if I get a clear night and I can look at the stars, I will stop and stare for a bit. Yeah. Imagine if I was, like, flying through space and seeing planets and asteroids and nebula and stuff. He probably has some really good acid up there, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you had really good acid, you could stare at the real stars of infinite interstellar space, man, for 20 years. You'd do that. Mm. Maybe. I don't know. Talby did. Yeah. 
I, I, but the other option is just to go downstairs with all these other guys who I don't necessarily feel much desire to hang out with. So. Yeah, yeah. Again, like again, like the the thing in the all dude cast. This all dude cast, like clearly they all hate each other. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I, I guess that's Carpenter's humor, right? Mm. A bunch of people work together and they all hate each other. Although ironically, it seems like most of them like Talby. Yeah, <laughs> because just they just haven't had the chance to get fed up with him yet. Right, he just stays in the space dome, so nobody cares. Because <laughs> what, what does what does Doolittle do? He goes and then just to you know expunge about his dream of surfing again. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to be a whack my board man, which sounds like a euphemism for something else, but whatever. I don't even know if that was a joke. I don't think that was the joke, but. <laughs> And then you've got Boiler, played by Cal Cunningham. Cunningham. He's got that Dazed and like Confused the, vibe. He's just the other one. He's, I don't he, really remember anything about him. Okay, makes me think of Matthew McConaughey and Dazed and Confused. Okay. Yeah. But uh, just, you know, 70s, like, yeah. pretty boy, but he's a little too old to, like, do this properly. Right. Um, speaking of which, I, the, the conceit there is interesting that they've been in space for 20 years, but have only aged three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, like everyone, you know, everyone gives Interstellar props for doing that shit, but <laughs> here it was being done in Dark Star back in 1974. <laughs> Except I have the impression they've experienced all 20 Expe- of them. Yeah, I'm not quite, I wasn't quite sure what's going on. No, there. I think they've, it, like, sp- somehow space is keeping them from aging so much, but, but they, they still are aware of 20 years passing, yeah. Yeah, so they've all gone completely, you know, nuts, mm. which that, that's kind of fun. I like that. And they all look like, you know, your hippie commune, so. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, clearly, well, they did have razors. The one dude's trimming himself, but, uh,. Yeah, they, they've long since given... Oh, yeah, I mean, if I'm just, like, on a spaceship all day every day with three dudes, I probably wouldn't bother shaving after. <laughs> I mean, I don't shave that often now. Yeah. <laughs> well, in COVID times, I don't think... I think most men don't shave anymore. Yeah. Why bother? You're wearing a mask all day. Right. <laughs> I mean, I shaved when I wanted to have a mustache because I was being Mario for Halloween week. Right. But I hate my face without a beard because I've mm. got no hair, so I look an egg. <laughs> <laughs> Be the egg man, that's cool. Like Dr. Robotnik. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly like that. <laughs> um, so uh, let's place them on the likability scale. <laughs> they all kind of suck, like in a. Oh, I like Tabby, but. Right, but he's still like, you know, he's obviously like completely like lost it. Yeah, he's zonked. Today. They're, they're all zonked, right? I feel like you're meant to like pin back because he's the one everyone puts down and he does his little practical jokes, but actually he seems like the most irritating. Well, that's because he's not, he's not pinned back. Well, I, I don't even know if that's true or is that just another one of his jokes? Uh, no, he's doing it to the, the video diary, so I assume he actually did just get like scuttled on the ship while the real pin back like missed his flight. Yeah. But then, yeah, I think because like, they show him he does like the googly eyes thing and the rubber chicken, so maybe his video diary is just him being stupid again. Yeah. Well, I, I wondered with the eyes, like, does he, like, do that all the time and they're sick of it? Or has he been, like, patiently waiting to break that <laughs> out for 20 years, years and, it, and it's it just, just like, completely anti-climatic and nobody cares? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't particularly pin back. Um, yeah, um, Doolittle's just a job's worth paint. Like, he's lame. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, he's like, I'm, I'm chill, but I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And as you said, uh, the guy whose name I've already forgotten is just... Boiler. Yeah, he's th- he does have the best facial hair, though. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Unless you're into Che Guevara, then it's too little, isn't it? <laughs> a lot of people are into Che Guevara, man. Yeah, that's why I threw that out there, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> we're just not... Yeah, we're just not sure. I guess I don't remember anything about Boiler, so I can't be too annoyed by him. <laughs> <laughs> well, he seemed like he was on the prowl for women, but there were no women around, so... Right, yeah. I mean, if they were there, he would have been super creepy. He probably hits on the computer late at night. <laughs> <laughs> That's my guess. So yeah, I don't particularly like any of them, but I guess I like Toby the best. 
Yeah, I think we're not supposed to like him, though. That's nah. the point, yes. So, this film has the cadence of a comedy. Mm. And its ideas are quite funny. Like, they're on a spaceship that goes around exploding whole planets, but for them it's really mundane. And the stuff with the bomb is genius, right? <laughs> I didn't laugh at this film. No. It's not a la- laugh-out-loud film. But that's what comedy is. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, like, There's some comedies that you don't just, like, laugh at. Yeah, bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, do you, um, I think I've told you about this before. When Better Call Saul first came out, there was the wankiest review imaginable in um, The Guardian, which is like the wankiest newspaper in the UK. <laughs> where it's like, this is a comedy that doesn't really have jokes, but what is a joke but a trick, and who wants to be tricked? <laughs> so why were they watching the show? Because the show is good and occasionally funny, but it's not primarily a comedy. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> but I was just like, listen, like reading it like, fuck off, I think. <laughs> and yeah, like, I'm, I, I get, like I said at the start, I can't judge this film that badly because it's a student film made in the 70s, right? So I'm sure it was fun for them to make. <laughs> the ideas were funny, but yeah, it's not, like, a funny film. <laughs> yeah, the concepts do a lot, I think. Mm. Like, I don't know. I, maybe, I think I agree with you. The first time I watched it, I was like, this isn't funny at all, and yeah. I didn't like it. And as I, I think this was maybe the fourth time I've seen it, and it seems funnier each time I watch it. It might be one of those things where you just have to let yourself sink into it and put yourself in the mindset of them making it, right? Yeah. Because it is just like a slow-burning, kind of stupid surfer bros comedy film made like as a student film. So yeah, it probably it's, it's designed to be watched like multiple times when you're off your nut, right? Because so. <laughs> <laughs> the first time they just seemed like bored and dissatisfied yeah and each time you watch it they seem like more disdainful towards each other right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they're like you know you start to pick up how they're triggering each other mm-hmm. like just in the uh, you know making you angry since the word I, I feel like i, I have yeah, to yeah, you have qualify. to be careful that word these days but yeah <laughs> it, it's it's just the like what's here is just one pass from an actual comedy script writer away from being like a great comedy yeah, these are all film nerds, right? So yeah. they don't they didn't have that. They had Dan O'Bannon, right? Right. Who doesn't really. And did he actually write this make, or not? We don't know. I, I'm pretty sure he did. Okay. But let's face it, nobody thinks of Alien as a comedy anyway. No. <laughs> Return of the Living Dead is a bit of a comedy, actually. But yeah. <laughs> so uh, he he did he wanted to laugh at least, but he might have you know had more resources by '85 mm. to do that. And how funny is Carpenter? Like I think parts of the thing are funny. Like I might. Like, key into a bit of well, his like, um, humor that, like, maybe isn't obvious. Well, yeah, there's also, like, I've forgotten what it's called. Big Trouble. Big Trouble's, and, like, Yeah, that's pretty funny. funny. Let's from New York Memoirs of an Invisible Man with Chevy Chase seems like it should be funny, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, there's one that, like, like one, I don't think that was necessarily supposed to be a comedy, but it had Chevy Chase in the late 80s, so right, yeah. it seemed like it really should be a comedy. And, um... <laughs> And it just, yeah, it, that one is 
That that see that's depressing. Like I feel like maybe I should be laughing at, but it's what's happening here? Yeah, all the directors we like, their careers culminate in them making a terrible Invisible Man film. <laughs> <laughs> it was okay. Verhoeven, obviously. Do we have someone else on that list? No, it's one of those things where if I had a third one, it would sound great, but I don't. <laughs> oh crap! See, that's why I was asking. I was yeah. like, okay, Verhoeven's an equal second hit there. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, too bad. Where I mean, you could use it for, like, Sean Connery as an actor and throw um, Extraordinary Gentleman in there. Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> well, help. You, you know what? We will count that because that led to him just straight up retiring. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, enough of this shit. I'm out. <laughs> and you have to appreciate that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, I was, t- well, I was telling you on the last podcast about Big dick energy. That's big dick energy. (laughs) (laughs) This film sucks. I'm out. Fuck you. (laughs) I don't need to do this shit. I'm Sean fucking Connery. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yes. So there's our third. I I will. I will admit that as a third. (laughs) You have to change it from directors to film people. (laughs) I I would say the comedy flaws. Again, all of the pet alien stuff was added years after the original film. Yeah. And it it. Does get a little draggy, although I I, I, w- I knew that the section dragged, so I was like giggling a little bit as he's like you know trying to work through the elevator shaft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, yeah, sometimes like that stuff can be done well where they play it for like this is dumb and we're dragging this out. Like there's, there's some great Stuart Lee routines where the joke is just that he's taking this joke way too far. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I can see myself like I think it's one of those things where. The more affection you you already have for it, mm. the more you're willing to accept some of its excesses and its failings. Yeah. And it, it just helps that you know that both of the primary creators here are going to go on and, like, oh, yeah, really yeah, yeah. go off to bear things. So well, then it's like I, I I'm watching... I wouldn't be sitting and watching this if it wasn't for the fact that it's John Carpenter and Dan Bannon, right? Now, if you want to see one that will just make you give up on life you've got another podcast for those <laughs> <laughs> anyway the, another a 70s notorious one for that would be um the much shorter bio it's like 20 minutes but hardware wars where someone tried to create star wars using um hardware okay and it, i mean it's supposed to be funny i, th- I think even like you know like like george lucas like was oh, ha, ha, that's funny but if you watch that now it's just complete and utter garbage okay Whereas this one has things to talk about. I mean, there's interesting ideas here, you know, interesting filmmaking techniques. It's definitely the start of something. Yeah. So, you know, that's a level I can appreciate. Yeah, the actual, like, model shots and stuff are surprisingly not shit. Yeah, every time I come back to this movie, I always expect, oh, the effects are going to be terrible. And I'm like, actually, they're not that bad. Yeah, I mean, you can tell it's pre-Star Wars and it's made (laughs) on a shoestring budget, but, like... It's a decent enough spaceship model. It's superimposed on some stars. It works. Here's, I guess, where I find this this movie being in an interesting place. It's the first one to make because space is always like shiny and you know, mm. like 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 uh, you know, blonde blonde haired leading man with a strapping chest ready to roll. You know, Bra- Bra- what is, what is Futurama's dude? Zap Brannigan. Zap Brannigan. Yeah. 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 yeah Zap Brannigan. This is one of the first films to like. So that we did Silent Running, where we get crazy Dern, right? Mm. We got these guys who are just, like, fed up with the, this work environment they're in, right? Well, yeah, that's something which people always give Star Wars credit for. Mm. It's showing, like, oh, here's a rustic space that you believe people live in. <laughs> Whereas, like, yeah, these guys with their shitty dorm room that they all sleep in and stuff, and they were just going stir-crazy 
you believe these guys have been in space for 20 years? Except for that room, though, it's still relatively shiny, clean 70s sci-fi design. I mean, it is their workplace. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, like that, yeah. that's that's why I'm saying Star Wars would be the used Everything look comes used, in. Yeah, right, yeah. whereas this point... Well, yeah, but even in Star Wars, you go on the Empire's ships and it doesn't look like that. Yeah, true, but, like, I, I'm just saying at this point, like, I wonder if Dark Star, if it had had that used look, might have... Mm. You know, gotten. I know, honestly, I mean, I love this look. I mean, I, I don't, would barely want to change but yeah, it. Yeah, you wanted just, to make it 70s sci fi sanctuary. So. Yeah, it's just, it's just kind of like in a little interesting phase period where maybe yeah. the, uh, the pivot had not completely pivoted yet. That's not a good expression, is it? No. The pivot is not yet pivoted. <laughs> oh, no, I'm feeling better about it now. <laughs> uh, I, I guess we're doing a little design already. So I thought the computer room looked like a scaled-down Logids-run computer room. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> uh, it just looked like all computer rooms from films before people knew what the fuck a computer was. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, I did notice how, how did they fit 20 bombs in that ship? Yeah, because the bombs were like a third of the size of the ship. <laughs> So I thought that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, the ship is actually fabricating them as it needs them. There's just 20 cores. Oh, okay. much small. <laughs> There's a 3D printer inside. Yeah. So well, this film's really ahead of its time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, we've got that fucking alien. Anyone want to talk about that alien? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a beach ball with feet. It's a beach ball with feet that wobbles. It, like, I do quite like the way it moves. Yeah, it's pretty fun. That I gives mean, it a bit more life than when you first described it to me as the alien is just a beach ball. <laughs> Did we need to spend 20 minutes with it? Probably not. But no. <laughs> <laughs> but on a surface level, sure, it's pretty funny. <laughs> And just the, um, uh, apparently, you know, that what was that, like a, a bit of hopeful optimism five years in the past? Let's get a mascot. And, yeah. <laughs> and now, now everyone's depressed and the mascot's trying to murder you. Something that is quite funny about it is, um, like, multiple times when they bring up alien life and they just do not give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a 95% chance of sentient life in that galaxy. No. <laughs> Again, like I said, the ideas and everything are funny. It's just it, I don't think it was written or delivered in a funny way. But when you do watch it a second or third time, and yeah. first time it's like, well, let's find something to blow up, you know. But then you know, by a third time you see, let's find something to blow up, damn it, you know. It's yeah. just like the delivery actually changes as you watch it a few times. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can believe that, and I am. I'm not going to go and watch it again tonight or anything. No, but no, I'll probably I get will watch that. it a couple of years from now and again a couple of years after that. Yeah, I mean the past few years I've been hit every few years I kind of want to watch this and uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I guess when the other oh oh I, I do love of course the Phoenix asteroids when we finally get to those because they're trippy. Yeah. Um, I like trippy. They go through trippy space a few times. Yeah, I, like I, I wanted to try and work it into my synopsis, but I didn't. But like. When we first meet Talby, he's just talking about nice things he wants to look at in space. <laughs> one of them being the Phoenix asteroids. And eventually he gets to drift away as part of the asteroid. He <laughs> wins. Uh, Commander Powell, we didn't mention, of course, the commander is... Now that's like an actual dead. interesting little sci-fi concept. Yeah. Where he's technically died, but they put him into cryogenic freeze quickly enough that his brain is still alive. <laughs> so they can go and ask him questions through some sort of psychic interface. But his brain doesn't really work anymore. Yeah, so he's just, he's like, he keeps forgetting things. He's like... Imagine if Carpenter had taken that concept and done, like, a really crazy Lovecraftian horror film from it. Oh, well, he did Prince of Darkness eventually. Yeah. 
again, the seeds are all here and they do yeah. bloom. That, I guess that's why this movie, for me, is super likable because all of the concepts in here do eventually bloom. Mm. You get the company ship with Alien. You get, you know, your Lovecraft stuff with Prince Darkness and... Uh, well, you hear the whole trilogy of Lovecraft. You throw the thing in there as well. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> and, um, Mouth of Madness. Like, it, it does pay off in the end. Oh, yeah, Which yeah, just yeah. makes this an uh, interesting study. Wait, this is, this is like a... This isn't like episode three of Sci-Fi Sanctuary kind of a film, right? This is one that makes sense we're doing it 100 episodes in. Yeah. <laughs> because it's, it is like, yeah, when you're, when you're already immersed in, like, all of these classic sci-fi films, to go back to this and see the origin of these ideas and these... Artists is really interesting. Maybe that's what what gets me on the film. Is, uh, like you said, you have think about the people making, and they're just, uh, you know, they're kind of like, it is quite groundbreaking that they didn't groundbreak it quite right here, but they mm. did eventually. Yeah. Well, you have to you have to watch it in the same mindset that you watch something like your mate made. Wait, one more time? You have to watch it in the mindset of watching something that was made by, like, your friends. Oh, good. I thought you said you have to watch it like you're watching your mate mate. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, just watch it, you know, with some lotion in one hand and your dick in the other. <laughs> you could do that. <laughs> just pause it on one of the shots where their porn is on the wall in the background. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's super depressing. <laughs> The old days when people had to, like, pause those three frames of boob in airplane because that's all they had in the house. pretty bummed when I remembered that the David Bowie album was called Black Star, not Dark Star. Because yeah. otherwise I could have just spent this whole podcast talking about that album. Oh, well, <laughs> The Grateful Dead did Dark Star for like three hours at a time, man. Yeah, that came up when I was trying to find this film on YouTube. I just kept finding... Because they took the song, that thing out but... to the stratosphere in 1974 at Winterland, man. Did they? I don't know. I'm not <laughs> sure about the Winterland part. They definitely, they, there were some live performances of that song from 1974, which came up when I searched Dark Star 1974. Any, anyway, I, I, I can say at least, like, sometimes, like, oh, maybe I'll do the song for this podcast. It's, it's already recorded. It's ready to go. I haven't mixed it yet, but it's recorded. Uh, yeah, so we're going to, if everyone's like, what about the dead man? I'll do that at the end. Just wait till the end. There you go. Yeah. Something to look forward to. Yeah. Poses is garbage. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, I do want to think about the the command structure again because, like you said, maybe Pal could have been a bit more interesting. Like instead of the beach ball alien, maybe the Pal Pal situation could have been uh, a little more explored. Right. Um, one, because well, the, yeah, they just talk about him like he's dead for the whole film, and then it's like turns out they can go and speak to him. He's actually, not quite dead. <laughs> and he, does he live at the end? No, because he's on the ship that got exploded. But his block of ice is floating oh, through yeah, space. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he lands on a planet somewhere and they get to have their own thing. Powell <laughs> <laughs> is the thing. <laughs> Except he's already dead, so not much happens. Maybe he lands on the Genesis planet. Oh, okay. 
So he's got to fight those weird, like, slug things? Yeah. And also Spock. <laughs> Spock. Played by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And he's 50 foot tall. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll watch that movie. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, of course I'd watch that fucking movie. <laughs> That's Carpenter's next jam, I think, because he has some <laughs> nay-nay movies recently. <laughs> Make Dark Star 2, 50 foot Spock, and... <laughs> That's a great idea. Um, Darkstar 2, The Power of Powell. <laughs> the beginning of the film as well, um, it, it, it's like, one, we're coming to you from Earth base in Antarctica. Yeah. That was weird. Is that because the planet's like overheated and that's the only place you can live now? I guess. I don't know. It's not <laughs> clear. I mean, it's just weird. Yeah, it's unexplained dystopia, which I liked. Yeah. And also, well, guys, I... That actually was genuinely quite a funny scene that opened with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, like uh, so your request for extra radiation shielding, we don't have the budget for that, but I know you guys will pull through. <laughs> <laughs> How? <laughs> and they've, uh, like, like we talked about, their, their, their wank um, living quarters. Yeah. Because apparently they could fix the bongs. They just but can't be bothered. <laughs> they're just going to live in this, like, storage container with, like, titty posters on the walls. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I was like, oh, well, yeah. I, I think the reason that um, Pinback is so desperate to rebuild the living quarters is just because all night all he can hear is. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we don't do video for these. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, it's just we can't be bothered. I mean, man, think, I, I like to talk about smell vision Think about the smells in there, man. Yeah, it's going to smell like the NASA story you love to bring up. <laughs> <laughs> No, not that particular room. That have a oh, different smell. The, the bedroom? <laughs> that one smells of the sea. Oh, yeah, that just smells of sweat and stank and <laughs> sex juice. <laughs> no, no, no. His room smells of the sea. That's the way we say it. Okay. <laughs> That's the smell of sea men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Hi, do you know anywhere around town where there might be some sailors? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, right. <laughs> yeah, like... Yeah, I lost that train of thought again. The, just the stink of the ship. Stink of the ship, yes. The stink of the ship. 20 years of dudes living together alone. I mean, the rest of it, I guess, I, I don't know what they're, they're showering. Such, do they shower in space? I don't have, like, sonic showers in Star Trek. This isn't Star Trek, and no. these guys look pretty homely. They probably have a shower, like, once a year. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe on a ship, that's all you need. I, I, another thing that I get a lot of in space is fungus. Hmm. Like around the ventilation and stuff. Someone's that's been like, watching Discovery. Huh? I said someone's been watching Discovery. No, no, I'm talking about the ISS. Yeah, like one of the thing is your ventilation systems to get like spores, molds, and fungus. They will do it Egon style. Oh, yeah, because it's just like all the bits that come off a human just circulating eternally. Yeah, there's nowhere to go. So yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, because the rest of the ship does look relatively clean. The only place that seemed super stinky was maybe maybe there, because even the storage can. You know, with the alien, it didn't, like, make you think of smell vision so Yeah, well, the impression I got was that they are, like, essentially Air Force. Yeah. So I guess when they're on duty, they probably are somewhat professional, you know? Not at this point. No, but they're drilled. They've had drilled enough to, like, keep it clean and stuff. Yeah. But then as soon as they're off duty and in the bunk room, they don't give a fuck. <laughs> well, I guess they still go through a few of the motions when they're yeah. in their control room. The control room was weird. Well, they're all sat in, like, that tiny little corridor. Yeah, because so, presumably they just had to film it like in an actual cupboard somewhere on this <laughs> university lot. Yeah, I'm like, I, mean, I know I can tell the ship's not that big, but it's certainly big enough to have like a proper <laughs> command center. Because I was like, man, talk about fire hazard. Yeah, I mean Apollo, where they actually did have a disaster with a fire hazard, like was better equipped for that, and it still worked out badly. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. 
because and where okay where okay Pal's seat was next to them. Mm. Where was Talby's seat always in the? I space think someone zone? has to say in the part of the dome all the time. I guess. Oh, so he's just chosen to be the guy that stays in the dome. Yeah, that was that was what I yeah I got the impression like they were like oh let someone else take a shift. He's just like nah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, because I'm like yeah the shit hits the fan when he leaves the dome, right? Yep. <laughs> um, laser communications that that, that was weird. I guess I just wanted to have a laser, maybe. I think laser communication is a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what were we? What one of the films we were watching? And it's like their communications down, and like one of the IMDb like well actually is that you get was like they could just beam light at Earth. That's the, like the easiest way to communicate back to the planet. Oh yeah, you're I think ring- it was. Whoop. You're ringing the bell, but now is it Europa report. Maybe. Yes, yeah. it was Europa Report. Okay, good. Glad you worked that out, because I had not... Right, yeah, because she basically had to die because she wanted to put the communicator back online. Right. But, like, yeah, you can just... You can beam light at Earth. It will get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess they had, like, specific data they wanted to send yeah. over, though, so maybe you can't quite do that with a laser. Mm. I mean, if it's... Unless like, you're very knowledgeable about Morse code or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'd take you a while to do that. Like, you know, if I want <laughs> to tell you everything we found on Europa, that's, like, what, like an hour or more of doing Morse code, so... yeah. Whereas these guys at least get, like, they, they do get delayed transmissions. It's clear when they get that, you know, they're sending these video logs and getting back to Antarctica stuff. And uh, it's been quite a while. Yeah. Mm. I, I thought it was impressive that they knew the last time he told the story. Like, you told the story to us four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, the being pinned backs, uh, regaling them with how he didn't belong on their ship. Right. I don't know. I believed him. I, I believed he didn't belong. I, I I thought that was hysterical that he wasn't supposed to be on the ship. It's like clerks. Like, I'm not supposed to be here today. I thought it was an amusing gag, but I, I got it that it was meant to be him joking. Yeah, okay. I decided to take it literally this time around. Which, right. And I don't think I caught it the previous time, so whatever. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's you know, jokes hit you where they will when they want to. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so... I guess the, the, the most choice thing here, it, it, when people do go, is the bomb conversations, I guess, is yes. sort of the, the main thing in this Well, movie. that's the bit that is very Douglas Adams. Yeah. Where they've got a sentient bomb and they have to convince it not to explode. <laughs> it wants to, because that's what it's for. That's what a bomb does, yeah. And it, it did make me think of the, uh, you know, Kirk talking to robot or the computer to death thing in you yep. know, original Star Trek. Because <laughs> <laughs> the first time it gets the malfunctioning signal... The computer just tells it, like, now go back in, it's, it's a malfunction. He's like, oh, okay. Took a little convincing. And yeah, the second time she says it again, he's like, no, I don't, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I'm not to explode, I'm going to explode. Well, come on, if you got a job, like, okay, I'm ready to go. No, no, go back. I mean, by the third time, AI or not, you're going to be getting a little pissed. But also, just don't make your bomb sentient. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's a smart bomb. <laughs> Some things don't need to be smart. <laughs> I don't need a smart toilet. I don't want a smart bomb. But we have both of those things in 2022. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have smart... I'd Like, you have some tech in your toilet, but I don't want one that's, like, aware. It's like, ooh, sit on me, daddy. <laughs> Are you sure? Fill <laughs> me up. Oh, have I told you the, the story about my math teacher? I've heard a story about your math teacher where you where they told you the wrong thing and you corrected them. It was oh no 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 no. This is very different. Um, this is a poo this story. Is, this is like high school. Okay. And we were talking about Douglas Adams actually, and um, the idea at the restaurant at the end of the universe they have like they bring out like an animal that has been bred to want to be eaten. Oh right. And like the joke being like you know it's like oh I didn't have a slice of it, and then he just bends over 
and to a girl at a different table who's not part of the conversation, <laughs> slaps his own ass and says, fancy some rump? <laughs> well, <laughs> that is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Well, it doesn't quite make sense, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what does that mean exactly? If you're saying that to a lady. <laughs> Yeah, he was. I mean, he was a terrible math teacher. I don't think I learned any math, but I loved Mr. Harcourt. He was a legend. Just he also just math. one time gave me back a bit of my homework, and he'd written on my name. I think it was, Bloggo. Bloggo. What's that mean? Well, he just decided that that's what he wanted to call me because it's a good name for a clown. Oh, okay. And he spent the rest of the year calling me Bloggo. But he didn't add the clown. No, and also he didn't explain this in advance. He just gave me back my homework with blogger written where my name goes. We probably had a flash of inspiration or something. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm not complaining. I think this guy was great. <laughs> <laughs> it also, we did like the end of year like coursework we had to do. It's like we did some statistics report or whatever. But I wrote mine up and filled it with gags. And my partner, who just literally copied mine and took the jokes out. He got a D and I got a C. <laughs> or it might have been a, I got a B and he got a C. <laughs> like, yeah, I got extra points for the jokes. <laughs> yeah, I just I just remember my, my university roommate got his weed from the professor who taught the history of rock and roll class. Legend. kind of makes sense. <laughs> and yeah, he, now I'm imagining if we'd been talking about this film and he'd gone up to the girl and like, want me to explode? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the other thing about this professor is he looked like Ron Jeremy. Okay. <laughs> History of rock and roll professor who looks like a middle-aged Ron Jeremy. And, uh, <laughs> I know Ron so, Jeremy, you know, was a porn star. But I can't imagine him ever looking hot. <laughs> <laughs> I think he did. I, think I guess back then they didn't really care if the dude was hot when they made porn. Put the camera down, please. Focus <laughs> on, the, on the money shot here. Yep. <laughs> So it didn't hold up, but something here sticks. Is it yeah. just legacy? I thought, I think I said earlier, this is a film that you don't necessarily watch because it's a good film. <laughs> but you watch it because you, you know, you like what they went on to make and it's an interesting historical piece. And then you may develop an affection for it from there. Yeah, I'm just thinking, like, I, I'm a, you know, Beatles obsessive, right? Right. But I don't really like the Please Please Me album. Okay. But I like this. <laughs> uh, well, his, his, my example, my equivalent is, obviously I'm a big video gamer mm. um so i love like playing mario and zelda but i do get like a certain enjoyment from going back to like the really early ones playing like donkey kong on like an atari 2600 it's just interesting to see before it became what i loved it and well, the, seeing this but the gameplay is still good right there's a, you can go back far enough where it's not okay <laughs> <laughs> and also just like when i i love learning about like 
oh, here's this little Japanese myth, which is what inspired this creature. In mm. you know, I've got two podcasts where I basically just do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Pong has good gameplay. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. There are games which were good back then. Yeah. Some of them are not. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. There's there's always Custer's Revenge. So. Yep. <laughs> um, but there, yeah, I mean, I think there's. There's a lot of things that don't work, but there's the things that do work do work here. Yeah, they, like of the films we've watched this podcast, this wasn't the biggest log. I did sit and watch it and enjoy it. Yeah, it's just it, it's it, it's not a film that I would just like any day of the week be like, oh, let's watch a film, let's watch dark stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the atmospherics are definitely solid. Yeah, a mixture of the effects, the the cheap but interesting design. Yeah, yeah, and just the 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 hopelessness of these guys' situation. You can tell that this was made by someone who would go on to do incredible films. Yeah. He just, obviously, he's not quite there yet. I mean, the Dark Star does, like, every other week what the Death Star does, like, once. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Dark Star's, like, way smaller than the Death Star. So, what's more impressive now? Mm. Mm. They did later do, uh, in the comic books, where the Empire had, like, torpedoes they could just launch to any planet through hyperspace and it blew up the planet. That's just a legend. Uh, no, that's not, that's not canon anymore. <laughs> it's all fiction, but that bit is now more fiction than the other stuff, and apparently that's worth being angry about. <laughs> <laughs> well, our, uh, Alan, our old co he was pissed. Yep. <laughs> I remember him just being... To- I don't know if you were there yet, but man, he was pissed when the extended Star Wars universe was out. Well, I mean, they did send, like, you know, Disney agents around to everyone's house to burn their copies of those Thrawn books. <laughs> <laughs> Thrawn, what's that? That doesn't exist. <laughs> I think they brought Thrawn back in the Rebels cartoon, so he does exist now. Oh, okay. But only in that cartoon. Your books suck. Yeah. Sorry, Zahn, if that is your real name. Is that the writer? Yeah, that's the writer. Timothy Zahn, was yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. Just, I haven't read the books, by the way. I I've read the, the graphic novel adaptation of one of them. <laughs> oh, well, that's something, I guess. Yep. <laughs> it's it's all it's all cheese to me. I don't know about. So it's the official universe. opinion of the Matt and Luke Sci-Fi Sanctuary podcast that if you like the Thrawn trilogy books, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> because we haven't read them, <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> that that's that's that. only Disney-approved Star Wars content is good. <laughs> I hope someone sound bites that and finds a nefarious purpose for it. <laughs> I, I maybe I could just take that and like put it at the beginning of the show every, every week. <laughs> Remix it to like a drum bass like oh 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 only Disney approved Star 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 Wars is good. <laughs> that sounds like fun. Okay. Oh hell, this does have a good soundtrack. John Carpenter definitely hit you know, he was probably getting high and playing with an analog synth. Well, not probably, he got high and played with the analog yeah. synth. <laughs> He makes good soundtracks when he does that. Yeah, John Carpenter, doesn't matter how, what you think of any of his films, he always puts in a bag in soundtrack. Yeah. Except for, like, the thing where it's like, oh, a more class, a, a, a top, a class A composer wants to take my spot? Sure. Yeah. So we... You we, don't say no to Marconi when he says he wants to do the soundtrack <laughs> for your film. Exactly. <laughs> but I, I do like, well, that's me being redundant saying I like Carpenter in a sense since I've made albums of my own that sound like that shit, so... <laughs> He did put album an album out of like scores that didn't get used. Was the thing one of those? I don't know. I, I have one on this iPad, but it's just oh. it's just the actual film themes. So, okay. Yeah, I need to track down this. It's good. It's re- I mean, recorded like a few years ago, but mm. I mean, it sounds good. Like um, I recommend it. Halloween, I'm not that big a fan of because I'm not I'm just not into just guy guys around stabbing people films. Mm. But damn that music. 
Did you put? I don't know. If, I don't know what's going to happen when I do this, but I wonder if you actually put Dark Star on that album. I wonder if John Carpenter holds enough about his Dark Star to, uh, you know, make it happen. Let's find out. Here we go. Let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. No. Oh, Dark yeah, Star. Yeah, it is Dark, Dark Star down there. One twenty-seven. It's real short, but yeah, it's but there. Summit. Yeah. Fake <laughs> Cup champions. It's something at least. So. I, I, I just don't want to say it only holds up as a curio. I think it has a little more in the gas tank than that. Yeah, but it's it's also you have you have to have that curiosity element to get your foot in the door. I think. Yeah, if you don't know who John, if Carpenter you don't give is, a shit about John Carpenter or the writer of Alien, the like, you can't, you wouldn't get anything out of watching this film. But if you've got that like touchstone to start from, then I think there's something here to build some affection for. I yeah, because it's all from precinct. 13 is second film? Because that one pretty much starts firing on every cylinder. I mean, it didn't take long. That's yeah. the other thing. It wasn't like it took him like 10 films to get there. It was like, this was his dry run. And after that, it was like, you know, guns ablazing for like 10 years where he basically didn't make a crap film. Yeah. I, I've said before, sometimes I'm not down with the pacing. I found myself actually well, yeah, yeah, getting more into the Before we started pace. watching Carpenters, you were like, no, nah, I'm not that into it. But actually, I think everything we've watched, you have dug. No, here's... When Not I was, that we've watched much, yeah. But. Right. But when I was a kid, like, I think what he does is he shows you, like, a laser-focused picture or something. Mm. But there's no world building. There's nothing outside of that laser-focused picture. Yeah. And that really bugged me when I was a kid. Like... They live. It's like, well, I want to see more of the structure, you know? Yeah, Big yeah. Trouble in Little China, they're basically not even showing you the main plot of the movie the entire time, which now I think is hysterical. But growing up, I did like that movie growing up. I saw a lot growing up. But I'm yeah. like, always in order, like, I feel like we're missing a lot here. But maybe that's, that is more appealing now that we live in the world where films only care about showing you their world and forget to include a plot and characters. That might be it. Cause, <laughs> so now it's like, oh, well, you're just showing me this little bit, but it's really well defined. Yeah, so. whereas now every film that comes out is like, Oh, well, here's a trailer for the film that comes out in six years. <laughs> but we don't really give a fuck about this one. So I, I think he uses, a, despite all of the, um, you know, like in some of the movies, you get the gore, or the crazy effects and all that. But he's a pretty restrained filmmaker in the end. Yeah. I mean, this is a pretty restrained movie. Like you said, it's like, is this a comedy? <laughs> well, like, yeah, the, um, go back to the thing. Like, yeah, the effects are mind-blowing and shocking and gory. But... 90% of that film is just dudes tensely stood around in, like, rooms, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's the tension between those scenes what makes it. You know, Escape from New York only gives you the video game perspective of Solid Snake's run through, you know, New yeah. York. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really all you get. I haven't seen Starman, actually. I guess that's one I should watch sometime. Jeff Bridges. Oh, uh, here, I'll even admit this. I've actually never seen Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> I've only seen the first one. That's the only one that you need to see, right? But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, it's, it's got the same thing that um, Godzilla had for a while, where they keep making sequels that only count the first one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I've, I've heard some shippers for Halloween 3, but that's the one that doesn't even have Michael Myers. Yeah, it's just that when they wanted to make an anthology series, and yeah. no one watched it, it's like, okay, okay, we'll go back to Michael Myers films. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that, that, that he's certainly, I, I've seen... I've seen a fair amount of Jason. I've seen all of the Freddy. But yeah. I've never really dived deep into some Michael Myers, despite it being a Shatner mask. I was going to say, yeah, we, we should do it at some point just because of the Shatner connection. <laughs> right. Well, and we do have a Halloween If we month. ever get Shatner on the pod, that's what we'll do. We'll watch Halloween with him. <laughs> <laughs> that is my... That, that, if I, anyone I, knows, knows Bill, get in touch for us. <laughs> 
Like, that's the thing, if I, would, if I ever get, if, or if we ever get, like, a, you know, someone, uh, we've had actually some notable people here, but if we ever had, like, a super crazy big name, it's like, let's, let's do it with something, like, they're not even, like, barely associated with. Oh, I, yeah, I, if I ever, if we ever get, like, a huge director, <laughs> I don't want to do one of their films. <laughs> because you just get the same thing every interview is already giving you. You get the director's commentary, I'd yeah. rather do a film that they, they're into, but that's not theirs. Yeah. That'd be much more fun. Yeah. Okay. I think we're done here. Do it. If you've liked this podcast, you can find us on Twitter at MLSFSPod. We're also on Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you can get podcasts. Make sure you search Mountain Lake Sci-Fi Sanctuary. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review. Subscribe. Tell all your friends. Blah, blah, blah. If you want to help support the podcast, keep it online. You can go to patreon.com slash podcastia podcastias. There you'll find links to all of our other podcasts. You can give us a dollar a month to hear episodes early. Help keep everything online. Help keep everything rolling. If you like the music you heard in this podcast, you can find more of Matt's music by going to rovingsagemedia.bandcamp.com. Look, man, the star is getting dark. It's actually quite a pretty sunset. Yes, it is. Transitive nightfall